Hello and welcome to Bygones, the Ali McBeal Rewatch podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I'm Eleanor Parker. And we're coming at you live from uh, Bygones Quarantine HQ <laughs> today because uh, Eleanor and I are recording remotely for, I think, the first time. Is this the first time we've, we've ever recorded be- Bygones remotely? I feel like we've done this before. I don't know Do why, you? yeah, but I feel, I think maybe a mailbag episode or something, oh, I feel possibly. like we've done this before. Yes, we may have done a mailbag episode before, but we've not ever done an, uh, like a episode episode. Episode, episode, no, no, we've not. No, um, and obviously this is for obvious reasons, because since we last recorded in January and we did the first four episodes yeah. of this season in a batch in January, because I think we've mentioned that before, we yeah. tend to record in batches so that we can see each other. Yeah. and not travel too much since that in January everything has Gone changed <laughs> the world turned upside down <laughs> um, yeah so we can't see each other Eleanor is uh, how many miles away is Brighton from where I live I don't know too many too many yeah. <laughs> we can't though we are loud we cannot hear each other from that, that distance we've tried <laughs> a good go and it's just not tenable (laughs) no and we obviously want to keep doing bygones because it's one of the things that is giving me sanity right now and (laughs) making me feel like the world is a little bit normal is keeping going with some stuff yeah bygones being one of them so don't worry your regularly scheduled bygones program will not be affected we're here to help you through lockdown give you something to distract from the hell that it seems to be life right now (laughs) yeah um, yeah and yeah we're, we're going to try and carry on as normal um although everything is not normal uh, at the same time yes and it's okay if you're feeling anxious that it's not normal that's perfectly normal <laughs> yeah I think I, I don't know about you but I feel like there's been this weird narrative that's been going around about if you're on lockdown you suddenly got all this time on your hands and if you're not using it to like be the next be the best you could possibly be <laughs> it's like then the problem isn't the time you've got the problem is you and I'm like I reject this narrative <laughs> I just with want everything to survive right now <laughs> that it's just this is not the time to be putting pressure on yourself not at all no this is the time to be kind to yourself to sit back and if you don't feel like doing something or you can't do something that's okay like there are more important things yes in life yeah. than bettering yourself right now Absolutely. like have a bath go to bed yeah. that's fine it's all okay drink some alcohol also fine <laughs> like don't don't put too much pressure on yourself okay. just get through the day that is all you need to do absolutely absolutely no shame <sighs> So that's my PSA for the, <laughs> for the episode. I'm sure there'll be more that prop, crop up as we yes, talk about yes. it. But yes. But uh, yes. So. How are you doing, Eleanor? Okay. Like my anxiety, as as I've already told you, like um, off air, is um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it has, uh, uh, I was coping okay with my anxiety for like quite a while. Um, and then the global pandemic happened and my anxiety was like, ah! <laughs> like so I've um <laughs> I've uh 
uh, had a, yeah, a spike in anxiety um, that's been uh, difficult to manage, but I, I feel like I'm getting a grip on it now. I think it's just taking Good. every day at a time, one day at comes. a time. Yes. You know? Absolutely. I mean, I haven't ever experienced anxiety to the same level as you, but I have also felt really anxious yeah, um, I think this week. It's completely and normal. Even some signs of very mild depression, I would say, about three weeks ago when this all first happened, yeah. I just had a day where I was like, I can't get out of bed. I feel like shit, like the whole world is ending. And I just think we should acknowledge that this is all perfectly normal yeah. to feel like that. Yeah. Because the world is shit well, the, nobody's had to cope with this before no, the, but the world has been turned upside down like it is not no yeah. one's had to do this before like it's um yeah and I think a lot of people are, are grieving yeah that's that's how I would call it it's almost like a grief yeah. of the what you had planned what you wanted to be doing um your old life the way things were, the stuff that used to make you feel secure that would always be there and they're yeah, not there anymore. Yeah, well, the things you took and for granted, you know? Like, of course, you're, you're, always... you're going to mourn that. Yeah, you just, there was this sense of safety that you always felt you had. And and now, you know, some of that is, you know, we've it's been shown how, how fragile that sense of safety is. Like, um, mm, mm. It, it can be taken away from us, like, very quickly. Um, and that is deeply unnerving. So being anxious yeah. is a perfectly normal reaction to have uh, to yes. that. So don't feel guilty. Um, don't feel ashamed if you feel that way and you're not no. coping well. Like, it's okay. Be kind to yourself. And... I would say if you are struggling, feel free to, and it makes you feel better, feel free to reach out to us on um, any of our social media platforms, just a little message and we'll, I'm sure we'll reply yeah. and say hello um, because, you know, nobody needs to be alone going through no. this shit. No. Um, there's lots of people out there to talk to, us included. Yes. Ring the alarm, we've got another patron. Matthew Mesley has joined us at John Cage level. Thank you so much, Matthew. Really generous of you. Let's get back to the show. So. Anyway, without this becoming a pandemic podcast. <laughs> what's going on, Eleanor? Okay, so. Get us into back it. Back to business. Today we are talking about episode five of season three troubled water which well how, how apt. apt yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so we can be your bridge over troubled water <laughs> just listen keep listening to bygones we can be your bygones bridge over troubled water yes so troubled water first aired 22nd of november 1999 we interrupt this program for eleanor's cultural stuff Brought to you by the 90s, the decade more problematic than it looks. Uh, yes. The UK number one. Yeah. I'll give you the artist, Robbie Williams. Okay. This has to be Angels, surely. No. What? When did Angels come out? I think that's that much earlier? earlier. I think that's much earlier. Fuck. I reckon that was like. Oh, no, I know what it was. I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is. What is it? Millennium. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what millennium it was 1999 I know, but it's not millennium 
It's not rock DJ, is no. it? That's after. No. Surely. Uh, uh, I don't know. If there's somebody calling me on. She's the one. She's the one. I was convinced that Millennium came out in... Nine- I mean, it would make sense, right, for Millennium I mean, to come out in yes. 99? <laughs> it would make sense. He really missed that window. <laughs> Let's just see, when did that come out, Robbie? Maybe it was the following year Williams. and he hadn't written it yet. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, Millennium. Uh, let's have a look. When did it come out? It was released in 1999, but it was... Oh, no. When was it released? Oh. oh. <laughs> um, oh. According oh, to Wikipedia, it was released in 98, Millennium. Robbie, you really shot your load early there. You should have kept <laughs> that back the until gun. 99. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah. Okay, well, fine. We go. had She's the One. That's the one with the video where he's in the... He's on a motorbike. It's, it's like cowboy style. No, that's um, Feel. Oh, no. That's Feel. Yeah. This is the ice skating yes, video. Yes, ice skating. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yes, I remember. Yeah, it's a good film. Film. It's a good song. I like it. <laughs> yeah, no, I love. I love. She's the one. I love it. It's a great song. Yeah. yeah. Um, good. Good. And the US number one, uh, still Santana with uh, Smooth. I mean, he's a hit maker. A monster hit. <laughs> monster hit. Um, I remember listening to that on the radio. That was like really. I think it like started becoming big in that that summer, didn't it? Yeah, and then I it just it, kept yeah, going. I think it did. Um, but it is a great. It's track, a tune, like genuinely good yeah. song. Always, it is a yeah. proper summer tune as well. It yeah, is. Like, yeah, it, yeah. I just and people just wanted to keep that summer feeling keep going, going until keep almost going. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> So, uh, in the news, I've got November 23rd, University of Oregon student Jeffrey Levy having downloaded MP3s without permission is the first person ever convicted for copyright infringement (gasps) under the NET Act of 1997. He is sentenced to two years of probation and a limit on internet access. (laughs) That is fucking hilarious isn't it what's his what's his name jeffrey levy, levy or levi Le- well it's spelled l-e-v-y i'm just wondering if it's uh uh what he's doing now That's yeah no i know has he ever been allowed back on the internet <laughs> <laughs> well god if he if he's not then this period of time must be Ow. fucking horrendous for him <laughs> I can't, I've tried looking up the, uh, there's lots of other Jeffrey Le- Levi's or Levy's who are not the same guy, person. Right. Um, I don't think he's done anything of note since <laughs> that. But poor guy, talk about being made a scapegoat. I know, I know. I mean, it's mad, isn't it? You think nowadays, it's like the amount of people totally. that still be doing that, you know? And the last thing I've got is 24th of November, 1999. Toy Story 2 is released. <sighs> Toy Story 2. Yeah. Isn't it mad that the first one came out so long, long ago. ago? Like 96, 95, isn't I it? I think it was 95, 96. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 95, I seem to think. Because they had their 30th anniversary or 20th anniversary Let's have or a something. Look. Not 30th. It was, it was released in March 96. 
96. Okay. Yeah. So, and I know they'd been working on it for like years beforehand because that technology was not like, didn't really exist. Like they helped to create it. Yeah. Um, That's like, that's mental that Toy Story 2 came out. But the thing is, you know when Toy Story 4 came out, was it last year? Uh, maybe, yeah. Was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. Because you remember, so Eleanor and I, our family had always been to see Toy Story all together at the yeah. cinema. <laughs> and when Toy Story 3 came out, um, I'd already left home. I think, had you as well? I can't remember. But anyway, we all came back to watch it again as a family at the cinema. And when Toy Story 4 came out last year, I went back home and so did Eleanor. Like I organised it so that everyone would come back at the same time and we'd all go and see it as a family. And in the lead up to that, I re-watched 1, 2 and 3, <laughs> like in the days before we went to see Toy Story 3, 4 to remind myself of it. And it's amazing how, like they're all fucking five star yeah. films. How is that possible? It's crazy. How? Yeah. yeah. It's great. The it's so good. I love is, it. It's brilliant. Yeah. And some of my favourite childhood memories are of us all quoting the film, basically, <laughs> from start to finish. Yeah. So good. <laughs> I love it. You uncultured swine. <laughs> what are you looking at, you hockey puck? <laughs> <laughs> that hockey puck is Cute. the underrated MVP of Toy Story. <laughs> Love it, love it. Um, Great. Yes, so that's what I've got for cultural stuff. Wow, what a time to be alive back then. Santana on your ears and Toy Story in in your eyes. What a great, great day. And also you had this delightful episode of Ali McBeal to watch when you got home from the cinema. Oh God. Um, So let's dive into these troubled waters. There's nothing else to do. Um, so we open. It is Boston at nighttime. And Ling and Nell are still at work. Um, they're in the unisex. And they are discussing Billy um, and the fact that he's changed his hair. Um, and Nell thinks uh, that that means it's a sign that he's in crisis. And Ling says, great line straight out of the gate please billy is not even capable of a crisis he has the personality of a nail minus the sharp end which i was like that is chef's kiss beautiful but then of course the toilet flushes and billy comes out of the toilet i don't know about you but just his mere presence annoyed me from the get-go in this episode because he comes out looking like the smuggest fucking frat fuckboy on earth. Like, his sneer, his sort of slightly just, loosened tie around his collar and his fucking bleached hair. Oozes, it makes me sick. oozes arrogance. Like, it's just so... Like, yeah, vomit-inducing. Disgusting. So he sneers at Ling about how she hasn't learnt to, like, look under the stall doors. And Ling is great, because she's just giving as good as he gets, as he's he's giving to her, because she's just like, why should I even, like, give a shit? And Nell pretends that she's trying to, like, spare him his feelings um, with, like, oh, show me the boo-boo, let me kiss it, which I thought was really (laughs) funny. But then Billy is all... I'm getting tired of that too, Nell, which he's always, that's one of his lines that he always says. He always throws that at Georgia and at Ali, like, I'm getting really tired of this. And I'm just like, <laughs> hang on, at what point should, <laughs> well, I'm just like, why 
should any of us give a shit about what he's tired of? Like, I don't <laughs> give a shit. I'm tired of you, Billy. Have you ever thought of that? Like, <laughs> what a moron. I know. Anyway... He's like, why? He's like, why are you two always so mean to me? Is it to turn me on or is it to annoy Georgia? And I was like, are those the only two choices? <laughs> what? I like that he goes, oh, you're treating me like some beanie baby. And it's just like, because you are a beanie baby. <laughs> me, beanie man baby. Exactly. Ugh. Oh my God. Well, Nell is really sarcastic and she's like, well, Georgia's not here, so it must be to titillate you. And Billy does this little look into the mirror at himself like, well, yes, look at me. Of course it is. <laughs> like, like, are you sure? And then there's that whole trumpet yes. thing of like new, new man, man in town. town. Yeah. And he's like, well, if you want to turn me on, how about you act more mature? And Ling is all like, oh, in the background, just like, ooh, like, which I thought was really funny. And Nell is like, oh, really? How's this? And grabs his balls and is like, junior. And then new man in town kind of distorts over the soundtrack as Billy limps out and Ling and Nell laugh after him. Yes. Great uh, depiction of Billy getting owned by Nell and Ling there. Yeah, however, I think I'm going to throw in my... <laughs> oh okay so what's your objection i don't like that now just grabbed his crotch that's not okay also don't grab billy's crotch <laughs> you don't know where it's been <laughs> like i i enjoy <laughs> watching them like because i think they were like proper owning him like we said before like with words words like Mm. georgia has done it with her words renee has done it with her words and they are just as good as running rings around him with their words as as anyone else you don't need to get physically or sexually aggressive to like underline your point like you undercut i agree I agree. I actually think their words are more powerful. Yeah. And when they do that physical, they take it into the physical. I feel like that just undermines all yeah. of the good work they were doing with the words, yeah. which is it. And David E. Kelly always makes it go there yeah. for the physical comedy. And I'm just like, could you not? Yeah. Because the, the verbal comedy is is better. Yeah. Like, stop I like it. them. I like him being cut down to size with their words. Like. Yeah. They are treating him like the man baby that he is. They don't need to yeah. then, like, sexually assault him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I agree. I totally so, agree. yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Georgia is at her special bar with her special friend, George, talking about Billy. <laughs> special friend. Um, and if we remember, she, she met George last episode in a bar yes. because she's trying to escape her horrible home life and they've just started chatting, so... She likes George. He's an older guy. He listens to her. They seem to have like similar woes that they're helping each other through. Um, it's uh, it's good for Georgia to have someone to lean on. And the fact that he's easy on the eye, as far as she's concerned, is not a bad thing either. Yeah. Um, but she's talking about Billy and she's saying that she doesn't think he's having an affair, but she thinks that he probably wants to. And then George is all like, do you? Waggles eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of laugh that off. Um, But then we learn that Georgia hasn't explicitly told Billy that she's going out to the bar. She's just said to him that she needs space. But part of her kind of wants him to catch her at it. 
And then Georgia realizes that she doesn't really know anything about George's situation. So she asks him about it. And Georgia's just like, oh, well, my wife just thinks I'm, I'm working late. Talking of which, it is late. I need to go. And Georgia is all kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, see you tomorrow. And Georgia's like, no, I can't. It's Thanksgiving. And Georgia is really shocked because she's completely forgotten that it's Thanksgiving that yeah. week. Um, but instead, they kind of agree that they'll see each other on Friday instead. And they hold hands. And George goes to kind of kiss the side of her forehead as he's getting up to leave. And she doesn't really let go of his hand. And then George, and then she's like, oh, yeah, I guess you'll probably need your hand. And then George says, well, if he caught you kissing another man, he'd probably be jealous. And Georgia is like, well, okay. Then. And then they have this little kiss. You say so. And I don't know about you, but for me, I was a bit like, whoa, this is a line that Georgia never, never probably expected before. that she would cross. Yeah. Um, well, she's never crossed it before, but I also don't think she ever thought that she would. No. Um, I think she always thought that she would... Um, break it off with Billy first before she ever did anything with anyone else um, if they were going to break up um, so for me I was quite shocked actually given everything that we've learned about Georgia so far that she would do this before breaking it off with Billy and I think she's probably quite shocked at herself for the same reason yes yeah um, so it just felt like a massive deal yes. to me watching that yes I agree um, so and after that we go straight into titles yes because I think the audience is meant to be like whoa, whoa. Georgia has kissed <laughs> another man um, so after titles it's still night time and Vonda is singing new man in town at the bar so obviously Billy slips her the memo that that's his new theme song <laughs> and he's playing at all times <laughs> whenever I'm in the room and Billy yeah, if you could, yeah. just, you know, you know. <laughs> and while she's singing it, Billy is doing the most ridiculous, ridiculous like, dancing with Elaine. <sighs> it's, it's, it's meant to be, like, dirty dancing, but it's, it's like, not. dad dirty dancing. <laughs> like, it's really, like, cartoon-like and, like, awkward. Swayze, um, you ain't. Dirty da- <laughs> yeah, he's, like, he's dirty dancing with Elaine. Yeah. As... Georgia comes in and sits with everyone asking if they know where she can get a turkey because obviously she's just realised it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I have a question. Has, she's obviously just come straight from her drink with George, mm, right? Yeah. Because she's in the same outfit. Yeah. Bill and Nella are in the same outfit they're wearing in the unisex. And I'm a bit like, hang on, George was saying it was really late. Like, how late do these guys stay at the bar? Well, maybe really, it was really late, late. late for him because he's an older man. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe like, oh, i guess it was also i should go <laughs> well i guess it's also um the day before thanksgiving and everyone has thanksgiving off so i suppose people are a bit yes. like Woo, yeah yeah party, yeah, you know? yeah um so it's a later one than a normal work day yeah but um yeah anyway so she's just like i need a turkey guys anyone got any ideas um and and ling says well you already have one and points at billy <laughs> which i thought was really funny she's really with the billy zings today and i am here for it. i'm not gonna lie <laughs> absolutely um ali is like well how come you don't already have a turkey and richard is shocked that georgia as a wife has forgotten Thanksgiving because he says, it's only the biggest cooking day of the year. How often does a woman really get to shine outside the bedroom? And it's like... Oh my God. Sure, Richard. Sure. Yeah, let's... I mean, even John has to take a moment at that point. <laughs> let's just throw in a poop there because... Poop. 
Um, yeah. But Georgia, Georgia's like, no, 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 I'm serious. And she really needs to know where to get one because it's Bleachhead's favourite <laughs> holiday, which I think is a great name for Billy right now. And that's when Ali offers for her and Billy to come to hers because she's kind of having a little party anyway. Um, her parents, Elaine, Nell, John and Renee have been invited. And uh, well, obviously Renee lives there, but um, Renee's also invited Whipper. And I was like, yay, fun, a party episode. I've completely yes. forgot that this was a party episode. Great. Yes. Um, and then John points out the elephant at the table, which is Richard and Ling looking really glum because clearly they're the only ones that haven't been invited. <laughs> and so Ali begrudgingly asks them what they're doing and ends up inviting them too. And then they look really happy again, especially because they've clarif- they clarify that they don't have to bring anything. And they're like, great, great, we'll be there. Oh, so funny so the next morning Ali is setting up a lovely decorative gourd laden tablescape and as someone who is very into tablescapes I would like to say to Ali <laughs> I appreciate you <laughs> and everything you're doing this holiday season I really like her did you know she had quite a nice white like scoop neck jumper on yeah like a little uh, thin long sleeve top with like a roll neck yes. type but like loose, a loose, you know, like, is it cowl called a cowl neck? neck? A cowl neck. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. it's nice. Yeah, I liked she looked it. good. And she had like, is it red red trousers or a red skirt or something with it as well? Something like that. I just really like the jumper. Um, <laughs> it looked very autumnal, didn't it? Yes. With all of the pumpkins in the background as yeah. well. And her hair was all curly, curly. like it has been this season. Yeah, she looked nice. great. She looked great. She looked great. Well done, Ali. <laughs> <laughs> so she's she's putting that tablescape together uh, with Whipper. And Whipper is really not pleased that um, Richard and Ling are coming. Uh, well, more that, that Ling is coming. Yes. Who she's still calling Thing, which uh, I still don't like, yeah. but whatever. Then John and Nell arrive with Elaine, who has brought the karaoke machine because she thinks Ali's parties always need a little help, which was a lol. <laughs> um, and then Ling and Richard arrive carrying a box of instant mashed potatoes, to which I'm like, uh, you should have just brought nothing. I'm <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> bringing that. <laughs> And also, they're going to have. But they're also going to have done mash. Like, why are you. Why? Like, stupid. Bring a bottle of wine if you have to bring something. Exactly. Anyway, Ling sees Whipper and just immediately is like, she's here. Yuck. And I was just like, oh, Ling, do you have to be mean? It's the holidays. Like, come on. And also, you've got to sit through a whole dinner with everyone else. Like, why make the atmosphere shit right from the start? I I know. But then Whipper decides she's going to confront that situation head on and goes over to her and is like, what is your problem? Like, what have I ever done to you? And Elaine is gleeful about the fact that they're already fighting. And Whipper's like, no, no, I'm not fighting. I just want to know what's going on because she's a grown up and wants to just have a conversation about it. But then they end up, Ling starts it, but they end up throwing insults at each other about, well, first Ling insults uh, the fact that Whipper dyes her hair. Yeah. Um, But then Whipper throws back about some quip or zing about the fact that Ling has weird orgasms because it turns out that Richard has told Whipper about Ling's orgasms, which which is unacceptable. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's like that. How could you do that? That's so inappropriate. Betrayal of confidence completely. Yeah. Um, so yeah so low blows being thrown all round Mm -hmm. Nell tries to keep the peace 
But then Renee comes in and it's like, you don't live here. You didn't get to make the rules. And then Ali is telling off Renee for being mean. And John is stuttering. And then Bleachhead and Barbie show up. And Elaine <laughs> rushes over from plugging in the karaoke to kind of catch Georgia up. And it's like, let me fill you in. Whipper disparaged Ling's orgasms. Nell and Renee have already bared teeth. And John's off to Poughkeepsie. Yeah. I thought it was a nice little summary. <laughs> And then Ali is all like, stop, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> stop this. And then Elaine offers to do a number and everyone is no! like, no. <laughs> and then Ali's mum shows up in the middle of all of this and her dad is parking the car. So Ali introduces everyone to her mum. Although obviously uh, Billy knows her. Um, but, but, but her mum turns around and is like, oh my God, Billy, what the fuck did you look like? <laughs> Basically, because his hair is just, ridiculous um but then she kind of gives him this weirdly long hug that ali has to like pull her away from <laughs> she's like, all right which yeah. i thought was quite awkward yeah because she's like look this is georgia who he actually married, he married her <laughs> yes <laughs> and then we also find out that of course um richard knows her parents as well because of school yeah um, and we find out that richard kept touching ali's mum's neck oh. back then that guy because he's that guy Ugh. Um, and then Whipper is mad about that because Richard has apparently told her in the past that it's Whipper's neck that started his neck fetish, which is clearly a lie. So it's like, why would you even think that? <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ling can't resist getting a dig in about ancient wattle, which she calls, uh, that's what she calls Whipper's neck. And then she says that you're probably even threatened by the turkey. And it's just like, guys, I don't like this. <laughs> no, Stop this. it's really unpleasant. All the bickering. I know. Um, anyway, the bickering is happening and that is when Ali's dad walks in and, oh my God, it's it is George. George. <laughs> <laughs> Who saw that coming? <laughs> yes, I know. Well, I remember at the time not seeing it coming. Like, it was a complete, like, shock uh, when watching this the first time to be like, oh, my God, yeah. it's Ali's dad. What the fuck? Because <laughs> like, I it was about a sh- you. I remember that. But I feel yeah. like, in my head, I feel like I always got the impression that Ali's parents didn't live in Boston. I don't know. They may not do. They may have come in from out of town. Yeah, but what? But sh- you'd think he wouldn't come to another city just to go for a drink. Oh, I see. No, I got the impression that. Um, yeah, it was. You could have got the impression that they lived in a completely different city, but clearly they live close enough. Maybe not in. Maybe not in the city, but clearly her dad works in the city. Still, yes. Um, and he, they maybe live out of town in the suburbs or something. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. But, you know. Yeah. I think I just always in my head had them be like in a completely different place. Like, you know, New England. Well, because we haven't seen yeah, them until exactly. like two and a half years into this yeah, series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I do remember being shocked the first time I saw this and it was the reveal that it was Ali's dad. Um, but I... I think that surprise was ruined for me re-watching it this time because I remembered yeah, it yeah, yeah. when Georgia met him the first time. I was like, I know what's coming, yeah. it's fine. Um, so, uh, but obviously Georgia didn't see it coming, so she is shook. <laughs> um, and uh, 
I think she's trying to avoid his like eye because she's realised it's him, but he hasn't realised it's her at this point because Billy runs up to George (laughs) and is all excited about introducing George to his wife. And that is when, uh, you know, Billy steps aside and is like, and here's Georgia. And George realizes, and there's lots of like super zoom into his face. um, And George drops his Tupperware and everything. And everyone is like, Huh? Like there's this moment where you can see this flicker of like Reckon- that's weird on everyone's yeah, face. Everyone has noticed um, it's a bit of a weird moment, like something weird just happened. Yeah. yeah. And George tries to cover it by saying that Georgia looks like the daughter of a client, and then he bustles off to the kitchen with his with Ali's mum to kind of reheat yes. some stuffing in the Tupperware. Um and then Billy goes over to Georgia to ask if she's okay, and she's like, I'm fine. But then Ling announces that she knows something is up because she's penile psychic. Yes. So the game is a foot. Yes. <laughs> it's just a matter of time now. Um <laughs> and they will all come yeah, out. Ticking time bomb. <laughs> yes. So then it's a bit later and Elaine and Billy are full karaoke mode singing Swinging on the Star by Bing Crosby, which mum used to sing that to us. Do you not remember? Yes, I do. I always like that song. It's like a a lullaby. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like to swing swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar. Oh, so good. Then you are. (laughs) Yeah. And the nice thing about that song i think for kids as well as adults is that every verse is focused on a different animal animal. yeah yeah which is really cool and obviously elaine and billy are singing the verse with the pig like a pig is an animal with dirt on his face (laughs) shoes are a terrible disgrace i love it it's It's a great song um and everyone is sat on the sofas like watching the karaoke and kind of oblivious that George and Georgia keep looking at each other like they're really worried or angry or whatever, like something's, something's wrong. Between um, them. Billy's having the time of his life. Um, but Georgia eventually is like, I've had enough, I can't do this. And she goes into Ali's bedroom and Georgia's noticed. So he asks Ali where the bathroom is and she's like, oh, you can use the one in my room. So he goes in there and then Ali stares after him suspiciously because I think she knew that Georgia had gone in there first. Yeah. And it's a bit like something's yeah. up. Yeah. So George goes into Ali's room and Georgia is there really pissed off. Um, and I think the line that sums it up for me is where she goes, every man I kiss turns out to be from her past. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was really Georgia. Funny. Oh, Georgia. I'm just like, Georgia. Uh, oh, I feel sorry for you. A break. Like, what? You can't just, I know, you can't just kiss one man damn it <laughs> oh god i know um but george is like uh calm down it was just a kiss like we can put it behind us but georgia is really like m- too busy like making her molehill into a mountain to listen uh, but then george puts his hands on her shoulders in a really like calming way like this is not a big deal just breathe we just sat next to each other a few times at a bar we did kiss but you know we can get past that and be- before they can get much further Ali has come in and overheard the we kissed part. And Georgia is like, ah! And Georgia's like, well, we didn't know. And Ali is like, well, well done for getting back at me. And I'm like, how is this about you, Ali? Like, they just said they didn't know. (laughs) They just said that they didn't know that you had anything to do with this situation. That, like, immediately, within within 20 seconds, Ali's turned this about Georgia getting back at her. I'm like, no, yeah. no, this is not about you. For once, you're like, stop. <laughs> but then Ali's really rude and asks Georgia to like, just get out so she can talk to her dad. 
So Georgia leaves and Ali wants to know if this is like a regular thing. Like, does George just cheat on her mum all the time? And George is, um, he starts off kind of evasive, which I feel like if you've just been caught cheating, you probably don't want to start with that. Because <laughs> he's just like, I don't owe you an answer because you're, you're not a daughter living in my home anymore. And Ali is like, well, what, what do you mean I'm not your I'm not your daughter? Is that what you're saying? I'm not your daughter. And that's not what he no. said. Like the key bit of that sentence was not living at home not not a daughter not, like he didn't say that she wasn't a daughter but I, d- I don't think that that's an argument anyway like in terms of being like oh for sure oh for sure but it was weird that she picked up on the wrong bit of the wrong emphasis yeah. on that sentence at all in the first place but anyway George is like he, he kind of shouts over her to get out what he's trying to say he says that when she was growing up he was completely faithful but three years ago he had this six month affair and Ali's like, well, how is that less of a betrayal to mum just because I'm not at home anymore? And George is like, no, it's less of a betrayal to you. And Ali's like, what the fuck? Like, no, it isn't. And she's really railing at him. And that's when Ali's mum comes in and she's kind of overheard the conversation. And George is like, oh, great. Does anyone else need to hear? And then we get Elaine's head around the door like, well, I didn't quite get it. And then she gets pushed out and then goes, oh, we can catch up later. But then her mum is like, no, let's get everyone up to speed now. And she just walks out and just goes... Billy, your wife apparently kissed my husband in a bar last night. That's what all the yelling is all about. Oh, and the turkey's almost done. She just walks <laughs> off to the kitchen after dropping that bombshell. I mean, um, so... Uh, whoa. I know, I'm just like... Right, uh, okay, so... <laughs> it's almost like you can kind of see a slight sort of... Um, like, you can kind of see slightly where Ali gets it a little bit because it's like um like I get this is tough because you've just learned that your husband has been kissing another woman yeah but you've just gone and put a bombshell on another marriage in in doing that do you know what I mean yeah like it's not just your marriage that uh, you know is is involved here yeah and you've just like dropped this news on them in front of all their friends yeah you know what I mean yeah like, I'm just kind of like uh, yeah it just felt like quite selfish yeah it's really strange um it, and it's a strange reaction as well to just be like I'm just gonna throw it I'm just all gonna out make some drama this person <laughs> yeah let's um, make this as dramatic as we can it's weird <laughs> Yeah, she's not really thinking about anyone else right yeah. now. She just wants to hurt. Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, she's stormed off into the kitchen. Um, and Ali comes out of the bedroom holding people's coats. Um, <laughs> Elaine like just sort of leans over to Ali and goes, I think it would be a mistake to let your mum come. <laughs> and Ali is like, Elaine, get out of my house. And I was a bit like, why single out Elaine? Like, as, as Elaine then rightly points out, she didn't kiss anyone. Like, she doesn't know. Um, but she's telling everyone to go, isn't she? She's yeah, handing... Yeah, she's like, everybody needs to go. Thanksgiving is over. Everybody can fuck off. Um, and Richard Richard, oh, is like, okay, but can we take the turkey? And Ali's like, take whatever. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Um, so Richard and Ling just like... Gather up. Grab the turkey and leave. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, who are the people in Les Mis who are... You know, like the oh, pub yeah. the innkeeper and his Most wife of that... that are like just really like... Yeah. 
selfish and grabby. Yeah. Like that's who they reminded me yeah. of. Like, yeah, let's take all the food and leave and loot and get out yeah. of there. Like it was really funny. Yeah. Um, uh, so they grab the turkey and they leave. Um, and then Ali walks over to Billy like, well, who'd have thunk it? Your wife, my dad. And then John tries to comfort her. But Ali's like, no, you need to go. Whipper suggests Renee come with her to kind of get food and give Ali some time alone. And Ali's like, that's a really good idea. Then Ali's mum says she wants to go too. Um, but Ali says, no, you have to stay. Like me, you and dad are staying. Um, and Richard and Ling basically have cleared out the whole entire place of food. Like they can barely carry what they've got in their arms. And they, but they also manage to act affronted that they're being asked to leave because Ling is like, invite people yeah. over. And then Richard gets <laughs> with her to like pick up a bottle like, of Jesus wine and Christ. stuff. And like, yes! I was just, uh, and Whipper's like, all right, fine. Like, uh, <laughs> which takes it. Um, anyway, they all end up leaving, thank God, eventually. Um, and then George comes out of the bedroom as Ali is pouring wine because um, Richard and Lynn clearly didn't take all of it. Um, and she just looks like there's no words. There's just really silent as George walks up to her and she's just looking really hurt and upset and angry at him mm. all at once. Um, and her mum, Jeannie, who we find out her name a bit later, is just like manically clearing up the kitchen Um and George goes to say to Jeannie and explain that there was no affair. He was just at a bar, like he doesn't expect her to understand. But Jeannie is having none of it in the kitchen. She just says, no, you don't want me to understand. Because then if I did understand, you wouldn't be able to complain about it and get sympathy from young blondes in bars. And then Ali finds out that her mum knows about the other affair that he had um, three mm. years ago. Um, and that also that her mum has had her own affair since then in retaliation. And George jokes that, you know, and clearly we've totally put it behind us. Um, Ali somehow is really mad about her mum's affair. And she's like asking about it. Um, and Jeannie just says, look, it was a really small retaliatory fling after I found out about his affair. Then George and Jeannie start bickering over it. And Ali is like, well, maybe I don't need to hear about it, but they keep going. And then her mum goes, it was just a penis. Like, it was just a man attached to a penis. George was emotionally involved with his affair, which is why his was worse. And this is too much for Ali, who starts singing the alphabet, which really annoys her mum, who is like, look, stop singing the alphabet. You were the one who wanted to talk. And it's about time that you heard the reality of life and not hang on to your Romeo and Juliet fantasy because you're almost 30 years old, for God's sake. And Ali is like, but Romeo and Juliet died. Or do you think that was getting off lightly? And her mum is like, well, maybe they, maybe they did get off lightly. Like they got to die still believing in love. And Ali is like... Do you mean to tell me you don't believe in love? That you two don't love each other? What happened to you people? And then her mum gets really frustrated and is like, You know, why don't you just stay inside your dream universe? There's obviously something to it. I don't live in a dream universe, mum. Sometimes I just retreat to it. No, well, the problem is you think of it as a reality. Well, you see, I don't. No. A dream world is when I walk into my bedroom, close my eyes, and see a unicorn. Reality is walking into your parents' room as a three-year-old child and seeing you in bed with another man. I know the difference. Well, what do you think I don't remember? Dad, do, do you know about that one? Don't make fun of my fantasy life, Mom. You inspired it. And then Ali walks off to her bedroom and slams the door. Yes. 
So, um, yeah, not entirely um, good start. <laughs> like, it just gets a bit... Um, yeah, like, it turns into them... Like, it's her, like how does a an argument about affairs that they've had turn into an argument about Ali's fantasy world? Like, I don't... Well, this is the problem, right? Like, there's so many, like, things going on in this conversation and, like, different issues being muddled mm. together. And at its core, I think the problem is, is that Ali has kind of adopted the marital issues that her parents are clearly having as her problem yeah. to solve. And what she needs to realise is that actually this is nothing to do with her and it is not her no. problem to solve and in I the slightest. Think, but I think if you feel like... Uh, I, I think there's, uh, you know, there's an instinct sometimes to want to be like, well, if I could just be their referee, then they can talk through this and um yeah and, and they'll be able to solve it but it's like that's not actually appropriate like that's not no. actually your role as a child and no one should be making you feel like it is and even as an adult child yeah absolutely like you know because there there are things that you know you're not going to understand you're not going to want to hear like so you are not the 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 person to be doing this like they they but I feel like um so I kind of understand how Ali uh feels because I've been in the middle of our parents when they've had arguments and often ended up playing the kind of referee role um and that is a difficult thing to do and you can only really do it if you're you know impartial like if you don't give a shit about the outcome so if it's a stupid argument about like who moved the butter or something (laughs) stupid like that that's easy to do because you're like i don't care who wins this like fine but if it's a more um in-depth argument about their relationship like you can't be that person in the middle and it's unfair to kind of a try and take that role but also for parents to put that role on on you. you however um however much they may not mean to like sometimes parents do it without even realizing yes um so it's it's but the thing that I find with Ali is it's her parents haven't asked her to play this role in the slightest no she has taken this act by her dad of kissing Georgia or kissing someone as a personal insult yes which it isn't actually no it's not a personal insult and it's not something that she needs to get offended by or be in the middle of sorting out no but she's decided that it is and that she does need to play that role but I think it's it it cut you know this is this is something that cuts to the core with Ali because she is such a uh you know self-appointed love advocate that she feels like she is the person to do this yeah. and you know she she can't have yeah like she would I, I do think she would feel like partly responsible if if her parents split up and she hadn't tried to do this effectively it's 
also interesting if you think about it in the context of what we found out at the very end of last season when she was having her like breakdown about part of the reason that her fantasy started and she alludes to that in this Mm. conversation as well is because of this incident that happened when she was three and saw her mum with another man Mm. and that was when she started pretending and making love into this like this big fantasy world yeah so it's just quite interesting that if you have that as the context and of like her psychological state from such an early age that actually her dad now smashing that into smithereens so it's not just her mum it's also her dad that have like not respected the 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 kind of the relationship and the love that she believed that they supposedly were meant to have have. and also then she's taken that as a thing on like that she needs to because it because it props up so much of her psychological well-being she's like well I need to fix this otherwise what the fuck am I you know yeah completely and also um, from that conversation last season she also said like um her mum doesn't love her dad like she, yes. she she made that assertion that that they were that it but basically kind of make making the case that it's her mum's fault like yeah. her mum doesn't love her dad like making it sound like her dad loves her mum he's he's the one he's he like he's the innocent party um yeah. and now suddenly she finds out that her dad is not the innocent good guy that yeah. she thought he was. Yeah. It's interesting. Let's keep going through the episode. Yeah. We find out some more stuff about their kind of relationship and the backdrop to that that could be informed this further. But yeah, it's really interesting to kind of pick it apart. Yes. And be like, oh, that's why Ali is the way she is. Yes. So next, after that kind of bombshell, um, we have a sepia-toned uh, flashback of uh Ali as a kid and her dad are playing a duet um and singing at a piano um and it's Lida Rose a song from the music man um and it fades this flashback kind of fades into the present day Ali sitting in her room just staring at herself in the mirror at her dresser and her mum comes in to talk to her and kind of explain about what she saw when she was three um but Ali is super cold with her and her mum says really sadly, and this sort of broke, broke my heart a little bit. She was just like, I'd really like the chance to talk to you. And Ali is just like, well, too bad. You had your chance 26 years ago. And I was a bit like, really? When you were three? <laughs> you expected your mum to tell you about her having an affair when you were three, three years, years old. Yeah. Like, that, like that would be appropriate. Like an unrealistic <laughs> standard to hold her mum yeah, to. Yeah. I feel like that's a stupid thing to I say. I agree. And her, but her mum just goes on to explain how lonely she was because her dad was working all the time. Like she never saw her dad. And Ali's like, well, yeah, sure, fine. You, that's your excuse. Fine, got it. Um, and then her mum is like, look, I've literally never asked you for help ever. And I'm asking now because your dad has just asked for a divorce. Yeah. Cut to everyone else has gathered at Richard's apartment yeah. and Elaine is singing Grace before they <laughs> tuck into God. Ali's food because of course she is. Um, Ling is is being mean, just like talking over Elaine and insulting Whipper um, such that by the time Elaine has finished, Whipper has thrown her napkin onto the table and is like, I'm not doing this. And she gets up and she just goes, I need to speak to Richard. I need to speak to you, Richard. And John is just like, 
probably uh, I identify most with John in this scene because he's just like I just want to eat <laughs> he just goes can we just eat damn it yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yes John I wish we could <laughs> But Whipper just goes, we need to talk. And Richard's alarm system goes off as Ling starts happily yeah. like helping herself to food. Back at Ali's, her mum and dad are talking to Ali. And her dad is really mad because it is one thing to drift apart over time in his mind. But this revelation is different because it's an affair that happened at the beginning of their relationship. Um, and he's seeing this distinction between his affair, which was after the kids kids were grown and gone. Um, and that's somehow different to having an affair whilst they were still a family unit at home. Sure. Um, and Ali is like, look, I don't understand how this is so different. Like it was 26 years ago. Like we don't even know... And then she just turns to her mum. She goes, was it an attached penis? <laughs> or was it the other thing? And her mum looks really guilty and just admits that it wasn't. It was a man that she did fall in love with. Um, but she ended up breaking it off because she had children. And I was a bit like, children, eh? Dead sister watch? Well, this is the thing. I, this is my note, is that they keep talking like Ali has other kids. siblings who are alive because they talk about, he says, the kids being grown and gone like so yeah. it's like so does she have other siblings that she just never talks about <laughs> and what where in this timeline did this poor sister die yeah if she even existed yes <laughs> if she even existed <laughs> Can you imagine if this is all true, though, and the dead sister was a thing? Yeah. Like, where that happened? Like, yeah. after the affair? Before the affair? During the yeah. affair? Like, Jesus. You know. Well, Ali was three when her mum had the affair. And I get yeah. the feeling Ali was slightly older when her sister died. So... I feel like we need all the, like, math Time around lines. us. Like, the, <laughs> yeah, like, let's, let's get them, like... Stuff on a, a, a notice board, string, line, we need to like, figure it all out. <laughs> Let's do that. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> but she's, she says that she broke it off because she had children and George is bitter and he's just like, well, you're free to go now because the kids are all grown up and gone. And Ali is like, why do you keep saying that? Like, we're still your kids. And George says, no, but you stop being our responsibility. And Ali stands up and is no, like, no, we don't. <laughs> you, and then she says something very telling because she says, you have a responsibility to be married happy ever after as long as I am alive. And I was like, what? They absolutely do not have that responsibility. And if you think that they do, then you're the one that needs counselling, love. Well, I know she's already going. But like, oh, geez. Yeah. But then Ali comes up with the bright idea for her to call her therapist over for the three of them to kind of talk about it. And I was like, God, Tracy better be charging a premium for an appointment on Thanksgiving. That's all I can say. Oh, my God. Yeah. Thanksgiving. It's on the actual day. That's crazy. On the actual day. Yeah. 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 Back at Richard's, uh, Whipper and Richard are having a really heated discussion because lest we forget, last week she let him touch her wattle. Uh, yeah. So she's like, what the fuck is the deal? And Richard says, look, I, I like you. I like you as a soulmate, but not for sex. <sighs> Which is just the most rude thing I have ever heard. But like, I just, just like, how fucking dare you? But I don't 
like I feel like Whipper is like delusional when it comes to Richard. Like she's complete. Like she turns around and says, like you know, you touched my wattle. You told me you missed it, and I let you. I let you go to it. And Richard, you're still with her. I don't understand. And it's like, oh. Whipper, like, did you really think I know. that because that happened, he was going to call it off with Ling and come running back to you? I know. Like, what is going on in your head? Like, well, she also is incredulous when he says that, but he values sex over companionship or emotional support. And I'm like, have you met him? Yeah. Because that's all he does is value is, sex and money. He has not changed since you last dated yeah. like there has been no change i don't know why you think that uh, i don't know why this is a shock to you i think as you say she's a little bit delusional you know those women who are like but he's different with me yeah because he does give her more emotionally speaking than he gives anyone else in the entire world yeah but he doesn't actually want to no and that's that's his that's his loss. Yeah. You know, we all know that those relationships where you do open up are more fulfilling. But the fact that she uh, I think she thinks because he gives her those almost like crumbs yeah. of emotional love uh, openness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are love kernels. Because he does that, she's like, Oh well, that's like a foot in the door, and if I could just break him open, yeah. if I just spend more time, no. and it's like, but you tried, you were with him for a long time, and it didn't happen because he will never change. No, stop it, stop, snap out of it, like yeah. you deserve better. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's like, you know, I work all day and I come home. If I came home to a companion or a soulmate. I'd stay up half the night talking, laughing, sharing intimate little moments, and I'd be too tired for sex. <laughs> It'd be like the worst thing. <laughs> and then he says something awful, which is like he says he thinks companionship dies along with sex. Oh with most couples but with Ling he doesn't even enjoy talking to her now but the sex is good so it's the perfect relationship oh for him oh my god and Whipper as we've said just thinks she's seen through to some depths that no one else yeah. can see because she's like you're not fooling me with these fishisms you're afraid again you're an emotional coward like she says you've regressed she, yeah and it's like well no he hasn't well, he was always there she, but she says you're afraid again you've regressed to being the same emotional coward you used to be and it's like he's always been an emotional coward like that didn't stop he's not regressed he's just stayed no, the same I know <laughs> I know. So she just goes, don't ever come running to me again, which is the right yeah, thing to say. Yeah. And she storms out and leaves. Yeah. And then Ling, Ling says something mean to her as she storms out, which I didn't really pay attention oh, to because it's mean and I don't goes, like it. She goes, Whipper comes out going, I'm leaving. And Ling goes, was it something I said? Tell me so I can write it down. <laughs> oh, so mean. I, I don't like it. Well, you know what? It's one of those things where I'm like, uh, it is mean, and but at the same time, I think the reason she's being so mean is she can see that Whipper is proper sniffing around Richard, like trying to get him to. But leave she's her. been mean before. To be fair to Whipper, and I think we should always be fair to Whipper, <laughs> um, she hasn't. 
Ling has been like that with her ever since she discovered her accidentally in their bathroom yes, naked. No, Ling has she never has been, been nice awful to Whipper. To her yeah, no, she's never been since nice. Then. And I don't think Whipper has been sniffing around Richard. I think Richard has been sniffing around Whipper and made Whipper think that he's about no, to I disagree. go to her. I think she's been sniffing around Richard and Richard has liked the attention. Mm. And, and we'll see. I, I, I do think Whipper has been trying to, you know, get Richard back. And I, I, I it's just... God knows why. God <laughs> knows why. Because seriously, woman, <laughs> that like, you, I don't know why you think Richard is the be all and end all. Like... There are far better, I know. better men in like literally every respect. There are, there are better men. Like so, he's just the penis, yeah. penis, penis, penis. Yeah, uh, say it with me, penis. penis. <laughs> yeah. So well, anyway. Yeah. Whip has stormed out and then Richard uh, snaps at Ling after she says, you know, let me write it down. And he's like, be quiet, Ling. And then he also snaps at Elaine and he runs out. Um, they assume that he's run out after Whipper, but he just runs out yeah. anyway. Um, and Ling comments that she's been left alone on Thanksgiving as she serves herself more stuffing. Um, <laughs> I mean, what a great day this is turning out to be for everyone, right? <laughs> a missable drama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so God. Ali and her parents have gone to Tracy's office it's like a bumper family edition therapy session <laughs> how much money Ali must be giving Tracy, uh, Tracy I swear but um, Tracy obviously recaps everything perfectly because she says I'm so confused but let me see if I've got it when you were three, you woke up in the middle of the night with an earache and then got an eyeful when you went in to see mommy. Now, sometime later, your daddy had an affair which upset your mommy, who then had a retaliatory fling with a penis connected to a man. After which, your daddy kissed Georgia, wife of Billy, who you kissed last year, and now your daddy wants to divorce mommy. Am I on track? Very <laughs> like, concise. Yeah. Thank you, Tracy. Um, <laughs> She also asks if she can call George Daddy, which I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Tracy, I mean, she really then. is what I aspire to be in life. Um, she tries to clarify which of these affairs her mother was in love with at. Um, and that's the point at which George gets up to leave. But Tracy does that thing with her sofa where it kind of <laughs> moves, scoops yeah. him up um, to pick him back up again. Um, and she continues trying to figure everything out. So Tracy is like, why is the 26 year old affair the one causing all the issues? And Ali is like, yes, that was exactly my question. And Tracy is like, yes, thank you. Have a cookie. And then she actually gives them cookies and and she goes, have a cookie and let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> so Tracy asks uh, where they are today, because that's the important thing. Um, and she says, besides all over Georgia. That's <laughs> another. Tracy is on Zing! fucking fire. Um, George thinks that what they have now is based on a foundation, but he's just found that the foundation they thought they have is not what he thought because she was actually sleeping around. Then Jeannie gets up to argue and then he gets up and Tracy has to activate her like sofa scoop again. So they both <laughs> fall back down. 
Ali tries to talk and Tracy tells her off and Ali is like, well, you didn't give me a cookie. And then Tracy lets off an air horn and everyone's like, ah. And then Tracy just goes, we all really need to let me talk. And Tracy asks George, why is then more important than now? And I want the real answer. And he says, it's because she fell in love with someone else. And Jeannie says, but so did you. And George tries to argue that he wasn't really. And also it was 20 years later. But then Jeannie says, I'm not talking about her. And it turns out that Jeannie is talking about Ali. Yeah. She says, it may, it, it may not have been sexual, but you had a love affair if it didn't preempt your feelings for me, it certainly put them on a shelf. Yeah. Um, and Ali is shook. Yeah. Uh, Jeannie says that she lost George. Uh, he was gone. And Tracy is just nodding, like knowingly, like I knew this all along. Yes. <laughs> and Jeannie continues and she just says, and this is heartbreaking, this little speech. She just goes. I'm so ashamed of myself. I would watch the way you'd look at her, the way you'd light up the two of you hugged. And I just, I so missed the way you, you know, he once did that with me. And when she moved out of the house, I thought that maybe you and I would regain some of the. Instead, you just died inside. Your eyes went dead. She was gone. Part of me just died. And I just felt my heart went out to Jeannie yeah. at that moment. Because I was like, imagine how fucking complex all of those feelings are. Yeah. Because obviously you love your daughter. It's not that you don't love your daughter. daughter and you want your husband to love your daughter, yes. obviously. But like I just don't even know how you begin to like pass those feelings and to have them for so long yeah and to think like it's okay because you know once Annie leaves home we'll go back to being you know George and Jeannie to, Jeannie again yeah. and, and then that just doesn't happen yeah. like how awful must that be but I think it's such an interesting thing like concept to like discuss because I think it yeah it kind of happens way more than than is ever really acknowledged like I think, I think having so. children can completely change the dynamic of a couple. Totally. And and it and it you know and it makes sense that it would. Like it 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 you know and it's funny because I've heard of it also kind of happening on a smaller scale with like pets like um people <laughs> like I know Are you talking about Russ and Eva? <laughs> I wasn't thinking of him, but I've I've known like I've known a couple who had a dog, and the dog was originally like like uh, the the girl's dog, and then she right. got together with a guy, and the dog her dog started preferring him to her, and it like oh god, was, like, it was like it wasn't the cause of their breakup or anything, but. It was just an element of their relationship that was really <laughs> like, like she found it really hard to be like, I feel really fucking stupid being jealous of him, of a like dog. getting affection from the dog. I get jealous of the dog getting affection from him. Like I just like I feel really <laughs> stupid and petty, but it's really annoying when your pet 
prefers your partner yeah, to you. It is. It is. And, and I think it's because you don't think about it. I think it's not, it wasn't, I guess it wasn't something that was really talked about and not, a, you know, thinking about your relationship and working on your relationship wasn't as big of a, a thing in the, in like previous, it's only like, you know, relatively recently that prioritizing knowing that you relationships take work and that you have to work at it was something that just happened or didn't happen Mm. as opposed to being something you consciously thought about Mm. and I think a lot more there's a lot more awareness now because um I guess we all talk about stuff a lot more um that you know when you have a kid you need to think about what that will do to your relationship and you know if you want to make sure your relationship grows with those changes you know you have to put the work Mm. in and make sure that you're putting some work into your relationship as well as you know building this new relationship with this new human that you're bringing into the world I think it's very complicated it also reminds me like this um what they're talking about in terms of like him loving Ali in like in a way that sort of it's like he his love doesn't get bigger he doesn't have more love like he has a finite amount of love and he's pouring it pretty much all into Ali and and I feel like that that reminds me it sounds similar to a a concept called emotional incest have you ever heard of this oh no but it sounds no yeah well it's (laughs) it's um Basically, it's it's not it's not like romantic incest or or like sexual incest or anything like that. It's it's when a parent looks to their child for the emotional support that would normally be provided by another a adult. Spouse. Um, yeah, and it, yeah. It, it can be like a form of um, emotional abuse, though. it's yeah. That thing. It, I I would imagine it's quite difficult to like. Um, diagnose when something like that goes into an abusive place. Yeah, it's um, very difficult. Because, you know, when does a child fulfilling your emotional needs become abusive? Like, yeah, because to a certain extent, having children will fulfill certain emotional needs. Like, yeah, of course. But it's, of course. it's just like where that becomes abusive I guess is really like hard to pinpoint but it just reminds me of that like yeah it it sounds a little bit like he he just his love didn't get bigger his heart didn't get bigger so that he could love his wife as much as he did before and love a child at the same time it's so weird because, you know, it's like he's seeing love as, as you say, this finite resource. It's not like time. No. Do you know what I mean? Like time, you can only spend a certain amount of time doing certain mm. things. So you have to prioritize, like, I'm going to spend time with this now because I want to do this. Love is is infinite or should be yeah. infinite in most people. And actually you can have, you can love your partner but also like to the end of the earth and back, but then have a child that you also feel that amount of love Ooh. for. And it shouldn't diminish yeah. the love that you have for your, that was already there yeah. with your partner. Yeah. And yeah, that's interesting. It's weird. That, but it's yeah. weird to think about how much of this was real and how much of it is in Jeannie's head as well and in her perception. Yes. Because 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 he, George and Ali are both like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I, I don't know, I don't know... I think there will I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Like yeah. I think probably he did spend more time caring about Ali and so f- neglected his relationship with his wife. Yes. 
Um, but but I'm not sure that what Jeannie is saying was necessarily 100% the, the actual truth of the matter because maybe she was just like, oh, well, he's obviously got no time for me anymore. So that means he doesn't love me. Yeah. Whereas actually, and they grew apart yeah. because she felt that. Felt so neglected. he kind of got the vibe that she didn't want to spend time with him. Like, do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, like, it's interesting to see like where the truth is, like probably somewhere between the two. But it's, uh, like I say, like the, if you've got like a chart, like Ali is a daddy's girl. Like she, she, she is, she's, yeah. you know, and it would be really like, cause if it was me, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, if, if you felt neglected or left out of the, the group, like, you know, she's your daughter too. Like you could hang out all together, yeah. but if your husband and daughter are like two peas in a pod and you literally can't yeah. like get, get, in. get in in the same way, like that would be super isolating and it would feel a bit it lonely be. within your own family and, and especially if your your partner as we know was also spending most of his time at work non-family yeah. time at work like when have they i think the problem is is they stopped talking to each other and she didn't address her feelings how she was feeling because yeah. what she should have done is say to him like i want to spend time with both of you too yeah. like can you can you help me or I'd like be us part to of spend your time as a couple. Like, and that you know, as well. Like, like, they didn't, they obviously didn't have that conversation no. and they just slid into leading almost separate lives, lives hoping that 30 years later, when Ali leaves home, they might magically come back together. <laughs> and it's like, that won't work. Yeah, like, it takes, <laughs> yeah, you can't just wait, wait it out and hope it all clicks back into place. <laughs> like, that's unlikely to happen. I think that's a lot more common than many people realise mm. is that it's so easy to slide into those almost like together but separate existences in a family unit yeah. and then just think it's only temporary, you know, we'll go back to normal once everyone leaves and it's like, but then no, it's like you, you can't. Your normal has changed and so exactly. you can't slide You're not the same people was. anymore yeah, exactly. in many ways. Yeah, so you have to stay connected through that time, yeah. even if, you know, you don't particularly like each other sometimes. <laughs> like you have to keep talking because yeah. otherwise you'll get to the end and be like, well, I don't know who you are. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. So now we get to catch up with Billy and Georgia who have gone to the office. Yeah, like, sure. like. rather than the privacy of their own home, let's, let's go to the office to discuss our marital woes. That was a really odd choice. Yeah, especially same. as we know they've got their, the set of their bedroom. Yeah, they like should it exists. <laughs> like, why, why couldn't they go there? But anyway, yeah. um, Georgia is, is just sitting on the couch and she's trying to track back when their relationship started its slow death to man babydom and she kind of wonders aloud whether it started when Ali came to work at Cajun Fish but then she's kind of realizing that actually him kissing Ali last year was more about their relationship than it was about Ali um, and she admits that she kissed George because the new Billy makes her want to vomit <laughs> which I you know I think he makes all of us want to vomit yes. so she's not alone um but she was told, and she sort of says, you know, I was told I was a Barbie doll growing up and I have always fought against it. And so new Billy saying that he wants to basically be married to one. I am not that and I will never be that. So yeah. you've got an out now. You don't even need to be the 
bad guy because I kissed someone else. You can leave with a proud strut. And Billy suggests that they take a break. And George is like, no, you need to make a break. Happy Thanksgiving. And she walks out and I am like, yes, Georgia, this is what we needed. You need to break it up with Billy. Oh, yeah. What do you mean, well? Well, it's, she's still waiting for him to do it. I'm like, why don't you just do it? You make the break. Well, she did. She just said, she said, happy Thanksgiving and walked out. No, no, no. She's like, you make it. No, no, but, but I don't feel like it's been done. Like it's, it, it feels. Oh, I took it that they had. Do you reckon? Cause I. I think they've made it. Well, we'll find out next episode. But I, I think that they've you broken think they've it broken off. It I thought up. that was the end of they've it. They've actually properly yeah. broken up. Okay. I think so. Okay. Cause I felt like he that says, was her being like. He says like, we need to take a break. Yeah. And Georgia says, I think you need to make one. No, she, I, no, 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 no. Take... She goes, you're not looking to take a break, Billy. You're looking to make one. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so she's saying, I feel she's like saying that's... you don't want to take a break. You want to break up. And so that is what's happening. But I feel like... Happy Thanksgiving. I feel, Bye-bye. I feel like it, she's gone balls in your court. And I'm like... No. No. No, I well, this is interesting. We'll find out yeah. next episode because we're not because we're not recording I, in batches anymore. I think I interpreted <laughs> it like slightly more ambiguously. Oh, see, I interpreted it as him being like, "Let's take a break," and she's like, "No, because you don't want to take a break. You need to. We need to break up." So, bye. Okay, that's how I read okay. that conversation. I, I interpreted it a bit more ambiguously of her being like this is what we need to do, but she's not actually, I don't feel she's actually said it's over. Goodbye. Well, she walked out the room and she said does. happy Thanksgiving. She, like, what yeah, more do you want? But it's not, <laughs> we're, you need to say it's over, goodbye. Like, I, I feel like, I felt it was more I don't more think she ambiguous. even owes him that. <laughs> I think she just needs to leave and let him figure it out. <laughs> Be there like, ah. <laughs> Yeah, no. I- well, surely she's got to come back and cook my turkey in a minute. <laughs> it's my favourite holiday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe I just read that wrong. I don't know. We'll, well, we'll find We'll find out next episode because neither of us have watched ahead yeah. at this point. So, yeah. No, we haven't. No. Back at Tracy's, uh, Tracy is helping George to see that him loving his daughter is not the issue. The issue is that he disappeared from loving his wife. And George is like, that is ridiculous. And Ali is like, is it? Because you keep making the distinction between affairs when I was at home versus when I moved out. But that that isn't less of a betrayal to mum. What you mean is that you didn't betray the family. And then she's like, were you hurt when you weren't such a part of my life? Like when I pushed you to the periphery, did I hurt you? And George says, well, you know, every father feels a pinch when his children leave home. Um, But he's interrupted by Tracy playing like a booing, like sound effect. And it's like, (laughs) she asked you a question. Did she hurt you? Answer it. And George then like begins to answer honestly. And it's like, well, we used to talk every day and suddenly it stopped and I didn't know your life anymore and that hurt. And Ali says that, well, she was afraid of disappointing him because, you know, when you say you're afraid of being alone as a kid or as a teenager, that's one thing. But when you say it at 27 as a lawyer, that's pathetic and weak instead of being adorable. So she was basically too embarrassed to keep talking to him. 
Um, and Tracy says, look, everything here between Ali and George is fixable. You've just stopped communicating, but you can work at it and you can fix it. But I'm not so sure about the relationship between George and Jeannie because that can't be cured with a theme song. But she says, all I know is that you love Ali more than you love your wife. And if you deny that, then the marriage is dead. And that's when George gets mad and it's like, I want to see her credentials and I'm not going to be bullied by this nut. And he gets up and he dodges the sofa scoop and he leaves the room. Mm. So he does, well, he doesn't confirm or deny. He just walks out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Richard has gone to the unisex. I assume that he'd gone to find Whipper, but no, he's gone to no. the unisex um, and he's smoking a cigar. And talking to Billy, who's in a stall, and Richard is moaning. Women are beasts of insecurity, Billy. It's all about want, want, want. And if you give them everything you have to give, they learn to want what you can't give. That's why you withhold. It keeps them wanting what you have to offer. You want to keep a woman wanting. You want her to love you forever. Treat her lousy. Withhold. Keep her miserable. Love is finite. Only misery lasts forever. Ah, viciousness. I want to throw in my objection at this point because... This is like emotionally abusive rhetoric. I'm like, no, yes. thank you. No, yes. thank you. Like that yeah. is not something that you should A, be doing yourself, but B, advising someone else to do. I don't yeah. like, fuck off. No, no I, I'm not I think, having it. I think it's interesting in terms of like, this is exactly what he's doing to Whipper. Like, that what he's saying is exactly what he's doing to Whipper. I think yeah. he's less successful doing it to Ling because Ling is just as good as pretending like she doesn't need anything from him. But so also withholding it it, stuff that he needs as well. Yeah, wants, exactly. Even. So so it's less effective on Ling, but it works like a charm on Whipper. And, yeah. Um, and I also think it's quite interesting. He says love is finite when we were just saying about how mm. from Jeannie's point of view George's love is finite and it all goes to Ali yeah well it's interesting as well because he he says love is finite but he's he's contradicting what he'd said just before then because he's like you know if you give them stuff and they just want more stuff and I'm like yeah because love is infinite like you just keep <laughs> loving people you love more and more and more about people <laughs> But I think he, he's not, that's the thing, is I don't, I don't think he sees that as, as love. Like, he's not talking about love. He's talking about being, demands being put on him, responsibility yeah. being put on him. Like, yeah. as part of the con- love contract. Like, yeah. you know, that means you are... Well, because when you love someone and someone loves you, you you do take them on as a responsibility. You take on the yeah. responsibility of making them feel good, making them feel secure, wanting yeah. to spend time with them. Like, yes, they're responsibilities, but you do them out of love, not because you feel they're a responsibility. And he's never yes. had that, really. No. So he's not, he's rejecting it. To him, it's like a big long list of chores he has to do and money he has to spend, as opposed to seeing what you mutually gain from yeah. that as a relationship the benefits yeah yeah um anyway billy flushes the toilet and bangs the stall door into richard's face because that's the least he deserves <laughs> <laughs> um then back at richard's apartment ling uh kind of drops a turkey bone on her plate and burps and she just announces that richard is not coming back and he's left on thanksgiving of all the days and john is like well <laughs> 
you seem to be taking this well. And Ling says, oh, because I'm eating. She was like, well, I'm eating because I need my strength for an emotional crisis. And, and then she says, well, actually, I'm still confident that he's going to come back. Um, and I need a rest anyway from all the Viagra he's been taking. Um, and I just kept thinking, like, what an awkward day for everyone who yes, isn't part absolutely. of these like John yeah. and Nell and Renee and Elaine must just be like well this is great like I wouldn't have stayed I would have just been like let's just go off and do our own thing yeah <laughs> oh, yeah completely completely oh goodness me it's proper awkward Georgia comes in um because she's looking for Renee to ask if she can have a job and then she's like I have my fair share of portable clients in front of John, your boss, like what? <laughs> the balls on the Georgia. Balls, I know, right? Um, she does and not. Then Link... She is. She like does not give a fuck at all. No, like she just, has not. She, her fucks have gone. <laughs> but this is part of what's adding weight to my Georgia and Billy are definitely broken up now argument because Georgia's yeah, like, yeah. I'm not working with him anymore. I want nothing yeah. to do with him. I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what a way for John to find out, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon she'd emailed them beforehand and technically like sent the resignation before I'm... going in and doing that and then being like, I've handed in my resignation. If you check your palm pilot, you will see it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Ling uh, calls out Georgia, but we miss you, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> Uh, but Renee says that she'll definitely think about it and then Georgia leaves. So she's clearly not here to hoover up any pie or dessert or leftovers or anything. No, um, strictly She's got business. other things on her mind. Yep. Yeah. So back at Ali's apartment, they've all come back from therapy, clearly. Um, Ali is sat staring into space at her desk uh, in her bedroom. She has another sepia flashback of walking in on her mum and the affair that she was having at three years old. Um, and then she comes back to the present because her mum's knocked on the door um, just to let her know that her dad went home. And Ali asks if that means that she wants to stay at hers. And Jeannie's like, oh, no, don't be silly. I'll go home. And she's like, it's fine. Like, we'll survive. Like, she's really quite, like, stoic about the entire thing. Yeah. Um, and Ali's like, is that what you would describe your marriage as? It survived. And her mum is like, well, it could be worse. And Ali laughs and her mum um, apologises for her having to see what she saw at three. three and Ali yeah. says, um, were you really jealous of me? Um, because I really don't understand that. And, and Jeannie says that Ali was magic from the day she was born. But then she tries to explain what she meant by her dad's love for her had died and Ali is like, well, maybe he struggled to love someone who was jealous of their own daughter, which to me seems fucking rude. So horrible and unfair. Like really unfair. Such an unfair thing to say. And like I really, say, really I, mean. I think I do think it tracks though with Ali in terms of like Ali is often the first to blame a woman for problems totally. in, in a romantic totally. relationship. So it totally makes sense that she would still look to place the blame at her mum's feet. It's so interesting because all of that has stemmed from the very beginning of her childhood, her being a daddy's girl and then also seeing her mum betraying her dad as a small mm. child. She is like, well, the problems in life are all the women's fault. So that's yeah. what I, mm. that's her go-to yeah. assumption. 
yeah. from then on. And, and, she and still, still now. Can't, yeah, and she still can't let go of it, even knowing that, you know her father was far from perfect husband like but also like she understands like surely as an adult she can understand the context now her mum was alone like emotionally mm. alone for uh, for however many years before that affair happened because her dad was constantly at work she had at least Ali, if not other un, un, unspecified, unspecified children around <laughs> to look after on her own, which is no easy feat. And her husband was not spending any time or attention on her in the slightest. Like, how difficult is that as a human being to go through? No wonder she was seeking solace in someone who paid yeah. her that attention and showed her yeah. that love. Like, yeah. I think as an adult, to not empathize with that or put yourself in those shoes i think is fucking atrocious like uh, just but, to not have a little ali, bit of sympathy but ali is so black and white with these things like she there has to be a good guy and there has to be a bad guy and she has cast her mum as the bad guy yeah like and that that's just stuck uh you know that's how she cast her when she was three and it's stuck and she's not and there's gonna uh, i think it's not going to (laughs) change. Yeah. Well, then, well, her mum replies to that and says, well, it's not that I didn't love you. Like, obviously, I'm your mother. And then she says, do you remember you used to sing that song with your dad? Not Lida Rose, but Dulcinea, which we all remember from that episode with the lady who was marrying that guy in prison in the the previous season. Um, uh, And that song is about loving someone who you've never met. Um, and Jeannie says, well, sometimes she wakes up in the middle of the night and George isn't there, but she goes downstairs and he's at the piano singing that song. And she thinks that George never met the love of his life, even though her and George did. She was like, of course, we, we did love each other, but I wasn't the love of his life. And Ali's like, did you guys ever have any wonder in your relationship at all? And Jeannie says really sadly, yes, we did. Of course we did. But she grew up and moved away. And I was just like, oh my God. Talk about a band-aid baby. Jesus Christ. I know. This is so sad. Imagine the only excitement and magic in your relationship being your child. Like, how sad. But also, I've got to say, this scene I do find slightly, like, eye-rolly. Because she does, again, (laughs) it's the whole... I'm a magical unicorn complex. Yeah. Like, it's like, this is where she's got it from. Her parents telling <laughs> her, her that she's parents. so magic and wonderful and just so But it makes so much wonder. sense, right? Of course, because like her dad was obviously charmed by her from the day one. And yeah. her mum had no choice but to go along with that narrative because it was the only time she got to see her husband light up. So, yes. Yeah. Like, I just, I'm like, well, of course you've created this monster in Adult Alley. <laughs> I'm magic. My mum told me so. I see unicorns. Sure, pal. I'm sure you did. Sure, Jan. <laughs> oh, it's just like, it's, I feel really sorry. The person I feel the most sorry for in all of this is Jeannie, because she's not getting I, any yeah. sympathy from anyone. Same. Right? I have Same. all the sympathy for her. I think she does deserve sympathy, yeah. Um, so, and then Ali's like, oh, I've so longed to be close to you. And Jeannie's like, me too. <laughs> well, and I'm like, guys, you could be close. Like... 
<laughs> like, why are you throwing out barbs? Like, oh, it must be so difficult to love a woman who's envious of her own daughter. Like, like, why would you say something like that and then be like, I long to be so close to you. Like, <laughs> you fucking bitch. <laughs> judgmental <laughs> I'd long to be close to you if you weren't such a cunt <laughs> it's a real shame that you know you're a hateful human being because otherwise I'd be really close with you <laughs> if you weren't such a heinous bitch we'd be so close <laughs> like what the fuck Ali seriously <laughs> But then Jeannie gets up and says the most heroic thing that she thinks George has ever done as a father is to raise Ali to believe that her dreams can come true when it never happened for him. And then she says she should go home and make him a sandwich at least. (laughs) Why is George a hero? (laughs) Because... He didn't marry the love of his life, but Ali clearly oh, still so believes heroic. that she can. <laughs> I need a hero. <laughs> I need a hero that can make me believe in love. Even though he doesn't have a love that he loves apart from his daughter. I need a hero. <laughs> Who kisses his daughter's friends in bars? <laughs> And plays the piano every night, even though he doesn't love anyone. I need a hero! (laughs) That's what they were singing about. Um, Yeah, so then Jeannie's like, I need to go and make him a sandwich. Bye, I might see you at Christmas. Dear. I mean, Christ. Do me. I mean, I find that really sad because to me... George can make his own that... fucking sandwich. <laughs> no, well, that aside, I'm like, hang on a second. Like, you've... Like, I feel like the only reason she did that whole heroic speech is so that she stays in, like, Ali's good graces. Like, right. in terms of, like... Ali is a daddy's girl. We cannot attack daddy. Like, so I have to... We can call him daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You you know, we Georgia certainly will be. (laughs) Like, (laughs) we have to make sure that Ali still thinks that I think that he's a good guy. Because as soon as... I think as soon as... If she turned against George and was like, you're a terrible human being and like she knows she would lose Ali forever. She yeah, cannot yeah. bitch about George to Ali because, yeah. you know, Ali is a daddy's girl. Yeah, right. And so it just, it just it's a feels shame. like, don't worry, I still like your dad. Like, I still think he's good. Like, so, you know. Never a don't... bad word to say about him. <laughs> no, exactly. He's I just, a fucking it, hero. Yeah. That deserves a goddamn American hero. <laughs> The least I can do is make him a a sandwich. Now, please let me go. (laughs) Will you love me too? Oh, God. If I make him a sandwich, will you love me? (laughs) Will we be close if I make him a sandwich? (laughs) Oh, God. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, so I mean, all of this has been very illuminating as far as Ali's psyche is concerned. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, So it's night time and the end of a long day and Billy (laughs) is walking home to Swinging on a Star, the pig verse, uh, sung by Levi Stubbs this time, uh, when he bumps into his new assistant, Sandy, walking the other way. Um, and she is saying she's just having a walk after dinner because she ate too much and they smile at each other and Billy suggests getting a coffee together and she says, sure. And Billy is pleased as fucking punch. What a cunt. Like, he's yeah. literally, again, this adds weight to my, they've made a break. They're, bro- yeah. they're broken. They're, yeah. they're broken. Okay. You might be right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course I'm right, Eleanor. <laughs> this is me. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, what a, what a low life. Yeah. Um, literally oh, seconds go. from breaking up with his wife of however many years. And he's like, oh, let me take my secretary for coffee. Sure. Yeah. Sure, pal. Yeah. <sighs> so then Richard has gone to Whippers Oof. as the soundtrack verse changes to a verse about a fish. A fish yeah. is an animal. And he rings the doorbell and Whipper peeks suspiciously through the curtain, which I thought was funny. <laughs> and then she opens the door and Richard throws another fishism at her about he just wants to swim in the shallow end because then you can't drown. Um, and it's not her. It's that he doesn't see having that kind of a relationship with anyone. Um, he doesn't want a marriage that is work because all he sees with people who are married is that it's hard work and people are just angry all the time. And Whip is just a bit like, I don't have anything to say to you. Is that all you wanted to say? Like, yeah. Like, I don't agree with you. What do you want me to say? Um, and Richard yeah. is like, uh, I, I, I guess that's all I came. I mean, maybe no, I guess. And then Whipper's just like, good night and closes the door. Bye. <laughs> and Richard leaves as the song starts up again. Yeah. Um, and then the Vonda, the Vonda, and then Vonda comes in uh, as the song slows down and she starts singing the chorus over the soundtrack as Georgia is slowly walking home on her own, which is sad for Georgia. Then we have a final scene where Ali is in her pajamas making a tea as Renee um, asks if everything was okay with the rest of the day. Um, and Ali's like, yeah, I'm fine. Um, Renee tells Ali that her day and her dinner was awful and quips that she thinks Richard is going to get back with Whipper. So if Ali wants to catch Ling on the rebound, then... <laughs> and which I thought was funny. Um, then Renee double checks that Ali's okay before she's, uh, she goes off to bed. And then Ali spots the piano in the corner and she walks over and she sits and she starts playing Dulcinea and singing along to herself playing it. And there's this fade out to George singing as well, but almost like an echo as we kind of see this uh, sort of tracking shot of the photos, like childhood photos of Ali's family, of them like on top of her parents' piano. And Ali keeps playing with the kind of echoey, I guess it's meant to be like a memory of her dad, like singing with her. And then Vonda takes over as Ali um, stopped being at the piano and she's then sad on her like couch and it fades out. And that is the end. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting this episode because I thought it was going to be something and then it turned into something else. Like I thought it was going to be another hilarious ensemble cast party episode. Party episode, yeah. 
And it wasn't that at all. It ended up being like a, a mashup of that type of episode, but also like the two-hander we got with Ali and Billy last season. Yeah. But between lots of different groups. So there was obviously like Ali and her mum and dad going on. There was Billy and Georgia. And there was um, Richard and Whipper, like all yes. having these like intense conversations all together. Yes. Yeah, it was a lot in an episode to kind of pick through. There was a lot going on. Absolutely, yeah, completely. It was, and yeah, no trial, no, no nothing in in that regard. Yeah, yeah, Uh, weird one, but good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it was one of the better episodes. There was a lot of drama going on, and I quite liked. There was also what I love about these types of episodes is there's always with the drama there's always lighter moments of humor to kind of yes. like balance it out and they they do that really well and I always yes. love when they get the whole cast in a room together because yes. even yeah. though the whole episode didn't end up being that the, the beginning yeah. certainly was and it was very funny yes 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 very much so so yeah so no retrial this week so I guess we skip ahead to verdict of the week the jury's back what are you doing <laughs> who do you find well, I was tempted to give, like I say, initially I thought maybe Ling a guilty because she was being like so mean to Whipper. But then, like I say, I thought, well, actually, I do think Whipper has been sniffing around Richard and I kind of see why Ling Whipper's is been being sniffing. sort of more like defensive and aggressive than usual. Um, right. So, uh, so I'm going to give a not guilty to John for being... What? (laughs) He just wants to eat his Thanksgiving meal (laughs) in peace. And there's no one else I relate strongly to (laughs) than that. When you just want to eat your good food in relative peace. Like and it's and there's just obstacle after obstacle. I'm just like, mate, I feel for you. I really feel for you. That is horrendous. Yeah. Unacceptable. Poor old John. <laughs> well, I have given a not guilty to Tracy because ah. A, she managed to kind of really sort everything out. Uh she was really on fire this episode with her. Yeah, she was um, great fun. A, her advice and getting to the heart of the problem, but B, with her zings, which was great. But also, it's her last ever episode. No! Yeah. So I was like, I can't let her go without honouring her with this small token of my affection. (laughs) She's not guilty. And I love her. She's not guilty. She was great. It's been a blast with Tracy as the therapist. It's been really good. I've loved good. every second. She's the best yes. therapist that Ali ever had or will have. <laughs> yes, I can't. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember who she has after this. Does she have no. therapy after this? I think it like, would be foolish for her to stop therapy at this stage. I mean, yeah, I kind of <laughs> hope that wasn't the end of it. But yeah. uh, yes, no, great. Oh, I'm sad that was the last of Tracy. I know, I know. Mental. I Aww. I had to double check because I was like, "Are we sure we? That's it. No, but no is more. it? No more. No more." Oh, oh I God. guess Tracy Ullman had something else going on that meant that they didn't, you know, renew any episodes with her. Yeah. But, oh, what a shame. Yeah. Never mind. Thank you for the, all the laughs. 
<laughs> yeah, it was really good while it lasted. Um, so yeah, I guess that's the end of, of this first quarantine edition of Icons. Uh, I, I hope it's not been too weird for you guys to listen to. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure we can do all sorts of magical things in the edit to edit out any weird glitches Gaps. or pauses. Uh, yeah, it'll be great. And yes, we are really keen to hear what you thought about the episode. And if you're still listening along in quarantine, um, how it's going for you, uh, you can find us on... Uh, Twitter at Bygones Podcast, on Instagram at Bygones Pod, and on Facebook, just search for Bygones Podcast as well. And of course, you can email us uh, bygonespodcast at gmail.com. We're always here for anything you have to discuss. We are also on Patreon, which is uh, very exciting. Uh, we've got lots of um, uh, exciting bonus uh, content that we give to you and early access to content uh, if you sign up, depending on what level you sign up at. Um, so you can find that, uh, just search for us on Patreon. And we also have launched a merch store for the first time. What, what? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> if you, um, I think the link is in our show, no- show notes to our, our merch, but you can buy t-shirts uh phone cases with any of the three colors uh that we have had as artwork so far so you can go for a season one yellow you can go for a season two blue or a season three green Green. bygones logo on uh lots of different items not just clothing items but other things as well um so yeah if you wanted to to get bygones and show your love to bygones for the world please do take a look at that yeah Um, but yes i guess until next time Bygones! Would you like to swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar? And be better off than you are? Or would you rather be a mule? A mule is an animal with long funny ears. Kicks up at anything he hears. His back is brawny but his brain is weak. He's just plain stupid with a stubborn streak. And by the way, if you hate to go to school, you may grow up to be a mule.